That was a beautiful job on the song. Shell, Leah, Ben, thank you. Luke chapter 2. Let's start reading verse 10. I'll give it just a moment. I still hear pages turning. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. It says, but the angel, I'm reading out the NASB this morning. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby <clears throat> excuse me, wrapped in cloths or swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. Father, today I pray we will focus our attention in the here and now, in the moment that we're in. We would desire to hear what it is You would say to us. Father, speak to us in a very real, very plain way this morning. In Christ's name. Amen. Jessica was about four years old and she had had the perfect Christmas. I mean, she had her family all with her and her cousins were there to play with her on Christmas Day. And she got all the presents that she wanted. She got to eat all her favorite food all day long. And as mom was tucking her into bed that night, she looked up with a big smile. She said, Mama, Mama said, what is it, honey? She said, Mama, I sure hope that Mary and Joseph have another baby next year. Now, the truth is, folks, after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph did go on to have several babies. However, the first baby that was born to Mary was not one that her and Joseph had, but it was one that Mary had by God. Remember the prophet Isaiah, uh, the prophet said in Isaiah 7.14, he said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Today, folks, we're going to hear about the star of the show. We're going to hear about the main attraction. Although you would never know from the culture we live in today that Jesus is the star of Christmas. A couple of years ago, or several years ago, the National Religious Broadcasters System or, or group, they did an analysis of 48,000 so-called Christmas, religious Christmas programs through the month of December. And of 48,000 hours, rather what it was, of 48,000 hours, 90% of the Christmas programs in December have no spiritual theme or religious theme whatsoever. 7% have a religious theme or a spiritual theme, but never mention Jesus Christ. Only 3% of 48,000 hours of so-called religious and spiritual Christmas programming through the month of December... Only 3% even focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's amazing to me because, folks, in the last few weeks, you remember on the Sunday mornings that I preached, in the last few weeks, we've been learning that Christmas is all about the promise. And we went all the way back to the very beginning, back to Genesis, 
back to the very beginning of the Bible, the very beginning of this world, the very beginning of time when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and they, they fell into sin and their fellowship with God was fractured. It was broken. That fellowship with God was replaced with fear. Sin became the human race's biggest problem at that moment. And a Savior to reconcile sinful man to a holy God became the human race's only hope. So for that problem of sin, God made a promise in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 that He would send a Savior into this world. <clears throat> now I'll remind you what I've said the last few weeks. From the time that God made that promise, the main item on His to-do list, the first thing on His agenda, His main concern was to keep that promise. Now in Joseph, we saw the promise of Christmas believed. In Mary, remember, we saw the promise of Christmas conceived. And now today, this morning with Jesus, we're going to see the promise of Christmas received. Now remember the lessons we learned from Mary and from Joseph. From Joseph, we learned the principle, for every problem, there's a promise. From Mary, we learned this, for every promise, there's a provision. Well, today with the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to learn for every provision there is a purpose. And my hope and my prayer is that you'll see how all this ties together in Jesus. Because you're going to see in Jesus the promise God made in Genesis 3.15, that Christmas promise in Jesus is fulfilled. You're going to see that in Jesus how the, God's provision was given. And you're going to see in Jesus, folks, how the purpose that God had was achieved. And my prayer, what I want you to see personally today, is how in Jesus Christ, the promise, the provision, and the purpose of God for your life have all been wrapped up. It's all wrapped up in one person, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, at the very first Christmas, God gave the world the greatest gift ever given. And I want to tell you, when you open God's gift, when you receive God's gift, there are eternal benefits that you enjoy. And we're going to look at some of those this morning. When you accept God's gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, you receive, first of all, God's promise of satisfaction. I want you to look at verse 10 again of Luke chapter 2. Now, you know, you can't read the Christmas story without bumping into angels everywhere, right? Because an angel told Joseph, he said, Mary would be with child of the Holy Spirit. And then an angel came to Mary and told her, you're going to be the mother of the Son of God. Now we have an angel speaking to a bunch of shepherds out in the field. And notice how he begins. Look at verse 10. He says, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. Now let me make something clear to you. Contrary to what a lot of people think about God, God is not primarily in the bad news business. God is in the good news business. The reason why, friend, God sent Jesus Christ to this planet was to bring joy, not judgment. Jesus himself said in John 3, he said, I've come into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. Now, God sent Jesus to bring joy. Now, let me ask you this. Do you know where joy comes from here in this life? Do you know where it comes from? And it comes from being content. Okay? It comes from being satisfied. Now, let me take this other part. You said, I thought it came from Jesus. Oh, it's all one and the same thing. Contentment satisfaction is found in Jesus Christ. 
Let me put it this way, folks. The reason why there is such little joy in our culture and our society today is because we're living in a very dissatisfied society. People are dissatisfied. Even though, according to statistics and the news, even though, folks, that personal income and home ownership and investment portfolios, things like that, seem to be on a rise as of late, and unemployment is failing as of late, we're still an unsatisfied people. One sociologist several years ago revealed that in 1900, the average American wanted 72 different things, and they considered 18 things, 18 of those things, to be essential. Today in America, the average American wants over 500 different things and considers more than 100 of those things essential. People are dissatisfied today. The workplace, people are dissatisfied with work. Uh, most of the, the recent surveys published says 80% of workers in America say they have the wrong job. They're totally dissatisfied in the workplace. <clears throat> and when I hear things like that, folks, it reminds me of a story I heard of a little boy who loved pancakes. I mean, he was crazy about pancakes. He loved them so much that oftentimes he'd make a little uh, glutton out of himself eating pancakes. Well, Mama thought, I'm going to break him from that. I'm going to teach him a lesson. So one morning, he came down to the breakfast table. She said, baby, I'm going to fix you pancakes this morning, and I'm going to fix you all the pancakes you can eat. That little boy was just, oh, he was, he was thrilled. So Mom, she made them. He ate them. She made more. He ate more. Mom went to put some more about third or fourth time, some more of that batter on that hot griddle. She said, baby, do you, do you want another pancake? And that boy sat back with a groan, have a sick look on his face. He said, no, ma'am. He said, Mama, she said, yeah. He said, I don't even think I want the ones I've already had. <laughs> Do you know what the problem is, folks? Do you know why so many people are dissatisfied? Because people are looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places. Now, I'm going to tell you, prosperity, possessions, pleasure, things like that, they will never bring lasting satisfaction. Nothing except a personal relationship with God can bring you total satisfaction. And hear me, hear me well, friend. The only way you can get that, there's nothing or nobody that can give that to you except Jesus Christ. Probably in one of the greatest, if not the greatest psalm ever written. And one familiar with everybody, the 23rd Psalm. King David put it this way. That first line of that psalm. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, let me explain exactly what he's saying. He's saying, the Lord is mine. I've got the Lord. I belong to him. He belongs to me. I shall not want. He actually is saying, I got everything I'll ever need. I got the Lord. What else could I possibly want? Friend, that's why the Christmas message is such good news. Behind every problem, behind every problem, there's a promise. And behind the problem of sin, there's the promise of salvation. But listen to me. It goes even deeper than that. Here's an amazing verse. 2 Corinthians 1.20. For all the promises of God in Him. This is speaking of Jesus Christ. For all the promises of God in Him are yea, and in Him are amen. You know what that verse means? It means all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Now listen to me, when you accept Jesus Christ, you receive God's promise of satisfaction because you know that in Jesus, He's going to fulfill all of His promises to you. It's a guarantee. 
Now, when you receive God's gift, when you surrender to Jesus Christ, you receive God's promise of satisfaction, but it goes deeper because you get God's provision of salvation. Look at verse 11. The angel goes on to tell what the good news is. And he says, For today in the city of David there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior. Friend, that's just exactly what God promised and just exactly what this world needs. Amen? Somebody put it like this. They said, if our, <clears throat> if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been uh, technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need had been, uh, say, money, he would have sent an economist. If our greatest need had been politics, he'd have sent a diplomat. But our greatest need, friend, was forgiveness from our sin. So God sent a Savior. Now, why do we need a Savior? Remember verse 10, look at it again. Remember what the angel said? This was good news for all people. So let me ask you, friend, why is it that Muslims and Hindus and Jews and Gentiles and rich and poor and black and white, why is it that we all need a Savior? Because we all need salvation. We all need salvation. You say, why do we all need salvation? Because of sin. Remember, sin separates you from God. Sin breaks that fellowship between you and God. Because of sin, and we're all born in sin. You say, I'm not born in sin. Oh yeah, I got some bad news for you. Yes, you are. If you're alive, you were born in sin. It's passed on to all of us. We all live in sin, and I want you to get this clear in your mind. Apart from Jesus Christ, we'll all die in sin and be eternally separated from God. Now, I know not everybody agrees with that. That's, that's your choice. If you're here today, you don't agree with it, that's your choice. But I'm telling you what the Bible says. Many of you probably remember uh, Billy Joel, the piano man. You know, some of you young folks may say, who are you talking about? Well, he was a very talented musician, songwriter. Uh, I, I think he's still alive. Okay, thank you, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> but at the height of his popularity, <clears throat> at the height of his career, I want you to listen to what he said. He said, I wasn't raised Catholic, but I used to go to Mass with my friends. And I viewed the whole business as a lot of very uh, enthralling hocus-pocus. There was a guy nailed to a cross. Everybody's blaming themselves for that man's torment. But I said to myself, forget about it. I had no hands in that evil. I had no original sin. There's no blood of any sacred martyr on my hands. I pass on all this God stuff. I want you to listen to me very carefully. If you pass on God, God is going to pass on you. Friend, you can never be saved until you admit you need salvation. That you're out of fellowship with God because of sin. And let me say this. Until you admit you need salvation, and until you receive salvation, you will never ever experience the good news of Christmas. You'll never understand what the angel was talking about when he says, I bring good news for all people. A Savior has been born. Now I know we all love to Receive Christmas gifts at Christmas, right? Oh, y'all, look at me so pious. We all love to get gifts at Christmas, right? I got some great gifts yesterday. I got some new pajamas. They were great. No new tie, but I got pajamas. And I, I, many things. But again, the greatest gift was my family was all together. We're all together for one more year. 
Now, we all love to get gifts at Christmas, but listen to me, and you know this, a gift is worthless unless you, number one, want it, number two, take it, number three, open it, number four, receive it. Well, friend, how much more of a tragedy is it when that gift is so precious and so expensive that no amount of money can buy it? That gift, friend, is so wonderful and so precious that it was bought and purchased by the blood of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. After several hours of Christmas shopping in the mall, a grandmother and her grandson, she she wanted to reward her grandson because of his good behavior, so she took him to see Santa Claus. Well, that little boy got up in Santa Claus' lap, and after about a 15-minute recitation of what he wanted for Christmas, he hopped down off Santa's lap. Santa gave him some candy, and the little boy walked away without saying a word. Grandma said, son, what do you say? The boy said, oh, yeah. And he turned back and he said, and charge it. (laughs) Listen to me, folks. That is exactly what God did for us. He charged it. Our sins, my sins, your sins, God charged them to the Lord Jesus Christ's account. And God charged His righteousness to our account to reconcile us to Himself. Man, there's the story of Christmas right there. John, 1 John 1, 7 says, And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. And Jesus Christ, not only are all the promises of God fulfilled, but the provision, friend, of your greatest need has been given. A Savior. But you must accept that gift. When you receive God's gift, His Christmas promise, His promise of a Savior, His Son, the Lord Jesus. You receive God's promise of satisfaction. You receive God's promise or provision of salvation. But number three, when you receive God's gift, you also receive God's purpose of peace. Because what was the result of that little baby being born that first Christmas morning? Well, look at verse 14. The angels put it this way. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom? He is pleased. I want you to remember, for every problem, there's a promise. For every promise, there's a provision. And for every provision, there is a purpose. God promised salvation for the problem of sin. God provided a Savior to keep that promise of salvation. And the purpose of this provision is that we might have peace. Understand, God wants you to have eternal peace. That is peace with Him. Peace with God. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 5, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, listen to me. With that eternal peace, peace with God, comes internal peace. That's the peace of God in your heart. The peace of knowing that you're right with God, God's right with you, and that leads to external peace, which is peace with others. Now, I say that, Because I want you to listen to me right here. I know there are probably some here today. Christmas time is tough on you. It's hard for you. Because you have maybe relatives that you don't speak to. Because maybe you've got family members you have unresolved issues with. Now I want you to listen real close to me. I want to tell you, this is the perfect time. Christmas is the perfect time to reconcile. To break down walls and to build up bridges. And you can do that... If you have, number one, peace with God. Because if you have peace with God, you're reconciled to God, you have the peace 
of God within your heart and in your life. And if you've got the peace of God within your heart and in your life, then you're going to share that peace with others and they will experience the same peace that you have. I like the way one man put it. He said, God takes life's broken pieces and gives us unbroken peace. Listen to me, friend. It's all right here for the taking if you'll just receive it. I want to share a true story with you. There was a a young man from a very affluent, very wealthy family who was about to graduate from college. There was a custom in this very affluent neighborhood that when a kid graduated from college, the parents bought him a brand new car. That wasn't a custom in my family, and it's not in our family now, but it was a custom here in this story, a true story. It was a custom that when they graduated college, the kids got a brand new car. Well, this young man and his dad had spent weeks and weeks going to dealership, 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 looking for that perfect car. Finally, they thought they'd found it. The boy was certain that car was going to be in the driveway on graduation night. Well, on the evening of his graduation, the father handed him a small package that was wrapped in beautiful paper. And the father told the boy, he said, this package contains the most valuable gift that a father could think to give his son for graduation. Well, the boy was expecting it to be the keys to that brand new car that they looked at. He opened it up, and to his surprise, inside that box wasn't keys, but it was a Bible. Well, the boy was so angry, he threw that Bible down. He stormed out of the house, never spoke to his father again. Several years later, the boy had come home because his father had died. Following the funeral, that man, uh, young man was sitting in his father's house going through his father's possessions. And thinking and looking at all that he was going to inherit. And he came across that Bible that his dad had given him several years before. And with a lot of grief and tears in his eyes, he brushed the dust off that Bible and he cracked it open. And when he did, a cashier's check dated the very day of his college graduation fell into his lap. And it was exactly to the penny what that perfect car was going to cost. Now, that gift was there all along. If he'd just opened the Bible. Friend, I want you to hear me well. I'm here to tell you this morning that in the Bible, in this book, you won't find God's promise for you. You will find God's provision for you. You will find God's purpose for you. And all three of them are wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to close right here this morning. I want you to listen real close. Because every person listening to me here, now pay attention. You're in one of three groups this morning. Everybody here. There's only three, and you're in one of these three groups. First off, maybe you're in this group. You know Jesus Christ. You've surrendered your life to Him. You have that vital relationship with God. God bless you. I encourage you more than ever to celebrate the real meaning of Christmas this year. The fact and the real meaning of Christmas is that you know Jesus Christ. He is Savior and Lord of your life and your soul. Then there's another group. There's a second group here. The second group, you hadn't made that decision to receive Christ. You've never unwrapped God's gift of love. You've never opened God's box of grace. The greatest gift of all salvation through Jesus Christ. Salvation that brings eternal life. Well, I'm here to tell you, today could be the greatest day of your life. In just a moment, you're going to have the opportunity to step out, walk down that aisle, and you're going to have the opportunity to receive God's gift that He offers you. The gift of His Son salvation and then there's a third group here this morning the third group you know jesus christ but you've gotten away from him you're not walking with him like you should you let other things get in the way of your relationship with god well i just want to say to you god is telling you right here right now 
God is saying, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. It's time to come back home. It's time to come back to where you knew you were satisfied. It's time to come back to where you knew you were at your best. God's telling you it's time to come back when you, where you were experiencing my promise, my provision, and my peace. Listen to me, friend. The beauty of Christmas, whether you're a believer or whether you're not a believer, the beauty is that God sent His Son to fulfill His promise to you. God sent His Son, and whether you believe it or not, that's the truth. And God today is waiting on you to receive that promise and come home. You really want to experience Christmas? Can't do it without receiving the promise. You can't do it without knowing Jesus Christ. Oh, you can go through the commercialism. You can sing the songs and and watch the movies and, and decorate the tree and give the gifts. But you have no idea what Christmas is until you receive the promise of Christmas into your heart and into your life. You got that opportunity right now. Would you bow your heads, please? You say, preacher, I I don't know how to receive that promise. All you need to do is step out of that aisle and walk down front here. Me or, or one of the other gentlemen here in the church, one of our deacons, Brother Damon, we'll be more than happy to introduce you to Jesus Christ, to show you how you can receive that promise. Now, maybe you you have received the promise, but like I said, you're not living that way. You're living for self and self alone, as if Jesus never come and died on the cross for you. See, we forget at times that same baby, that baby that's in the manger, he grew to be a man. And that man went to the cross. His whole life was about that cross. And he paid the price for you. Maybe you just need to come and pray at the altar this morning. Whatever decision you need to make, maybe you're looking for a church home. Whatever God's laid on your heart, you need to make that decision this morning. Father, I pray for those who need to have the courage to make the decision you're calling them to make. And I pray that they would see the urgency. They would sense that urgency. They would make the decision this morning in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand, please?